Welcome to Spirit School. My name is Danielle Serenk, also known as the Squamish Medium. I am the host of your Spirit School, where I will share all the lessons and learnings that I have uncovered through my intuitive development and mediumship development journey. I am a professional psychic and medium and intuitive teacher and mentor, and I look forward to walking alongside you on this journey. Hello everyone and welcome back to Spirit School. I am very excited today for the episode. I have Medium Fleur here who's an internationally acclaimed medium. She is LA based. Um, this is somebody who I have personally followed her journey probably since 2015. I started watching YouTube videos and just being so interested in the way that she works and the way that she relays Spirit's messages. Um, we're going to talk about her podcast today which is Moving Beyond which is one that I highly recommend that people who are interested in mediumship at all or healing from grief um, or are even doubting mediumship and need some real evidence that this connection exists, I highly recommend this podcast to people. But I just want to invite um, Medium Fleur on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming today. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, I'm very, very excited. I have so many questions for you. I'm going to try very hard to... <laughs> stay on track on topic as far as I can but my Instagram audience too is very excited to um, see you coming on so I have some questions from them as well um, do you want to maybe start with like a little bit of your journey how you kind of came into mediumship and what that looked for like for you yeah absolutely um, well you know people always ask me when was your first experience and I really don't have any memory of it I would say from the time that I could begin talking in full sentences. I think my parents were really the ones who noticed that I was bringing up a lot of detailed information about people who they knew to be passed over. And at the time, I was also very weirdly lucky in that my nanny um, was from Indonesia and she was a psychic herself. Mm -hmm. So she kind of explained it to my parents and my parents were like, okay, that sounds pretty out there, but We'll go with it. And uh, it really wasn't encouraged or discouraged from that point on. It was just kind of my thing. And uh, I became very aware of it being not normal, so to speak, and made a lot of effort to hide that part, which I think is pretty normal across the board from people who are at all sensitive. So it wasn't really until I was about 18 that it showing up for me again. And I'd, I'd largely turned it off at that point for, I would say, eight years. Um, came to UCLA in California, was, was driven to being a doctor, and I just kept getting incredibly sick to the point that I had to take off of school. And at that point, being a complete nerd, taking off six months of school was like a death sentence for me. <laughs> you know, like I have not worked this hard to to quite literally not be able to go on. And no one could really figure out what it was. Doctors couldn't figure it out. People were saying I was making it up. Um, but I really just couldn't get out of bed for no reason. And um, I ended up, my parents were quite worried about me at the time. And my dad, out of hopelessness, I think, because he is an engineer, was like, well, maybe maybe you should go see a medium. You know, you were really weird as a kid <laughs> and uh, you should just go see someone. So I did. And I sat in front of a psychic here in Los Angeles and she sat me down and she goes, oh, well, you know, you're not living the life you're supposed to be living. You're a medium. readings within this next year. And if you don't, uh, you're not living your life path and you're going to pass. And I was like, 
excuse me? Like, I'm 19, you know, I'm not, I have no plans on dying. Um, but the things that she had said were really resonating. And I thought, okay, well, I guess I'm going to start meditating or something. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, and so really over the last, over that next year, I, I did, I, in a year and a half, I was doing readings, mostly from my own curiosity to go, is this a real thing? You know, I was also in school for neuroscience at the time. And so it was really a back and forth between, is this real? Am I making it up? And so that first two years, I charged very little. I think I charged maybe like $20 a session. And my whole idea behind it was kind of fact checking it for myself. You know, I really wanted to ask like, how, how accurate is this? And are you just saying yes, because you want it to be a yes? Or are you, are you actually saying she had three daughters? You know, that kind of thing. Mm. And so I was very, very skeptical for really um, going back and forth on it and ultimately decided for myself, like, well, you know, this is pretty factual. And here I am, what, 11 years later? Wow. <laughs> doing it. Well, and that's one thing I notice about your mediumship. Like I love studying mediumship. I love the history of mediumship and studying other mediums from like a lens of admiration. I'm just like, wow, you can do that. You can do that. You have an incredible accuracy when it comes to getting to the root of someone's pain, getting to the root of what people are really needing to hear at that soul level. And so was there something that you had to do to kind of like develop that accuracy? Because you're no fluffler, like there's no fluff in your readings. It's like basically exactly what they need to hear. How did you end up getting there? Well, I think it's two part, right? I'm originally from the Netherlands and I feel like Dutch people just don't have much fluff. So that's part of it. I really just for myself, I read the way I want to be read for. And if someone goes on about rainbows, I for me, it's like eye roll. Like, come on, give me some facts. Right. So I think I also operate from a Dutch perspective, which is how I was raised, which is pretty just down to the facts. And then also um, coming from a science background, I think from the very beginning, I just wanted to make sure for myself. Right. So it was this this need to prove to myself that ultimately developed into pretty accurate readings because I was looking for the facts and um, didn't really, wasn't very, I, I'm really, as I grow old, my biggest thing is just to be kinder to myself, to, to give myself more leeway, but as myself with the fact, looking back, I think it was just hours and hours and hours of, of practice, to be quite honest. Yeah. So do you think like mediumship is something like you just get better at the more you do it, the more you stick to it, the more you stay curious and open? Do you think like you just continue to get better and better and better? I do. Yeah. I think it's such a difficult process because mediumship requires one to be open and go with the flow, but you also want to have the skill set of focus and clarity and um, kind of analyzing someone, right? Like you're analyzing either someone who's on the spirit side or you're doing the 20 questions within yourself of the person in front of you. It's this really weird combination of um, digging in and doing the practice and then also allowing it to go. But I think anyone can uh, achieve both things. I think it, it really is something where you may start at a certain skill level and then climb, climb the ladder. And where you start may just be, you know, where, where you're supposed to be. But 
I do think anyone can scale up a notch or two. Mm, definitely. Okay. Very cool. And then I have some like really detailed questions, which I give you a heads up on <laughs> because this is the way my brain works. I'm always like, how does it work for other people? Because I never had teachers who were vulnerable or, or shared their, their process completely. Like it was like a secret they couldn't give away. And so anytime I get a chance to sit with somebody like at your level, I'm like, okay, what does it sound like when spirit gives you a name? <laughs> like, how do you get those? Yeah, so I have explained this to my students so many times in, in trying to find metaphor, right? Because I think it's really hard words because a lot of them are just experiences. Um, it's, it's probably like how love doesn't quite, word love doesn't quite encompass the different variations of love that you can feel. So it kind of becomes a little bit of a blanket statement. That, that's part of it. So as I go along, if there's part of it where you're like, oh, sense. Let me know because it might just be I'm using the wrong word. But um, for, for you individually. But I think for me, uh, first of all, I've learned over time that my whole energy base of the way my thoughts and the rate of my thoughts is different when I'm in space versus when I'm in a space like this where I'm holding a conversation. So that's the first thing that I look for. Uh, I think that as time goes on, it takes me less time to get into that space, but it also is very dependent on my own emotional state in whatever I'm going on or my time. So if, if my life is a little chaotic, I know that before I start a session, it's going to take me more time to get into the headspace that would be in alignment of all of this. Um, but all the same, I think there's a very strong indicator for every single person that tells you I'm in the space in which I receive well, or I'm not in that space yet. And it's personal for the individual. But for me, my thoughts are a little slower. The world feels a little slower. Um, I do find there's different ways into that. One of those ways is tracking, and you can look that up. It's kind of one of the mindfulness tricks. I can do it through meditation. But it's, the, it's absolutely the foundation of everything. If I can't get there, then how I receive is going to be uh, through a lens of my own rationality thought and so if I'm if I know that I'm not in that space and there's really no point moving forward right mm -hmm. um, aside from that mediumship feels really different from psychic I like to explain it to people who aren't really super familiar with the world as psychic being dead in from so to speak it feels like a book um, I'm not holding a conversation with an intelligence like it's information that's available and just is so the energy between that is quite different that I kind of see from me. It's like a daydream. Uh, it doesn't require me to close my eyes. I can keep my eyes open. It'll flash in front of me. I find that if I'm reading accurately, those images do not stay for very long and they quickly shift into something else uh, without much control on my end. But I do find I can ask those images to do things. In my readings, I love the idea of 20 questions. So I'm constantly asking information from the information I've got. And I find that it does um, unlock things. So I think there's a, there's a certain curiosity around it that, that helps. And when I um, do mediumship, all mediumship from me, so the connection to spirit, it starts through clairsentience. So I don't start connecting with someone in spirit until I can feel them. Mm -hmm. And... Um, that's shifted as to what that feels like over the years, but I will say I 
don't, I'm never going to jump into a connection with someone on the other side unless I feel the density shift for me where I know, okay, I've got a person right here. Um, and I could go on and on and on about it. So maybe just like ask me a different about the Claire's or it, it, there's so much to unpack here. And I talk about it a lot in my mentorship classes and I've got, um, I've got one going right now and there's another one coming up, but I think, you know, these little details on, on what you're looking for and how you can adjust your vibration. That's, that's the key to all of it. I think that Everyone has the ability to turn on the radio and it's the ability to hold a certain station for an hour and have not only the energy capacity to hold it, but also be able to fine tune that really like differentiates um, a good medium, so to speak, or a good psychic from, from someone who can't hold the energy. Yes, definitely. I, I really appreciate you explaining that. And I, I truly believe too, like the first thing you should do is be able to sense spirit around you. And I do notice too, really early on, it's, we sit in a state of just like receiving and not fully understanding that we can ask the world of spirit questions as well. It's like the two-way conversation, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So very interesting. And it's funny too, because I, I started my readings at like $20 too back in the day. For sure. That was so funny. Um, yeah. I just think that it's really interesting too, how you're able to get um, relationships right away. You're like, yep, I have a mother, I have a father. Um, again, like listening to the podcast moving beyond is just like so phenomenal to listen to um, your development journey though. And I, I love that you teach and you have the 10 minute intuition journal as well, which I'll link everything in the show notes so that people know how they can work with you. Um, but who did you study under? Did you, did you, do one-on-one mentorship with people or did you go more of a route because you have the scientific background of just trying to like figure it out yourself? Yeah, I would say I mostly figured it out myself. I took classes here and there with um, people that I, that I then went on to uh, wonderfully get to have just like personal relationships with. So um, one of those people was Tony Stockwell. I've taken a few classes with him and then later on I got to work with him and He's just one of those amazing people that I really, really look up to. You know, um, he was one of the people that really kind of pushed me off my own uh, cliff, so to speak, in that I think I was 22 or something and I wanted to join some mentorship group he had. And he looked at me and he's like, go teach your own mentorship group. Get out of mine. Like, just, just go teach your own place. <laughs> and um, it was just such a nice, it was someone I just respected so much who had no ego around going, you know what, like, you just need to learn through experience. Please just go do the learning by yourself now, you know, uh, you don't need me to hold your hand, you're fine, you, you've got this. So I've had, I was really lucky in that I met some really big players in almost the first year of doing mediumship. I, you know, I sat in front of this medium who told me that I was a medium. And six months later, I met Lisa Williams and she introduced me to Tony Stockwell three months after that. And Tony Stockwell introduced me to James from Prague two months after that. And somehow I ended up with all their cell phone numbers by the, like within one year. So mm -hmm. it was just this crazy, like, Oh, okay. And then nothing really happened from that point on because each one of them pretty much said the same thing, which is like go into the world and practice. Right. So like, that's ultimately where you get good is just um, seeing all these different energy patterns and getting to know them in and out and uh, developing your own confidence and your own relationship with spirit and your own spirituality. And so I think early on I had such a gift of getting this push from all, 
all those different people and um, they were also good to me. Yeah, I love that. And I've taken a few um, retreats with Tony Stockwell too. He's probably one of the funniest people I've ever met. Like I had to actually leave one of his workshops because I couldn't stop laughing. I was like nine months pregnant at the time. And yeah, I ha- he's so- sure he had a real kick out of that. With, oh yeah, I was just- yeah, I w- it was the funniest thing. He's the funniest teacher. He was actually supposed to come to Vancouver in June, but that's obviously not happening now. <laughs> and I know that you guys teach together too sometimes in LA, right? Yeah, he has come before and I'd love to bring him out here again. Um, and I agree. He's so funny. I'm, I just feel super lucky that he's in my life. Yeah, his philosophies really stick with me too. He's just one of those teachers that just he says something so profound that like you haven't really thought of it like that before. And those philosophies really stick with you. They really get you thinking. Um, Really, really enjoyed him as well. Um, So did you then, because it seems like you felt very supported early on. Now my journey was a little bit different where no one believed in what I did. My husband doesn't believe in the afterlife. Like I, I didn't ever feel super supported. So I feel like my journey and some other people who are like me, our journey was overcoming a lot of fear, overcoming a lot of, um, you know, insecurities when it comes to this. Did you ever have to get over that kind of stuff <laughs> get out of your own way? It sounds easy in that, like, you know, I was 18 or 19 and I sat in front of this um, medium, but getting to that point was was really difficult. I mean, it, I was so stubborn about it. It quite literally made me incredibly ill. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I did not believe in it. I thought it was so stupid. I did not want to be that kind of person, you know. I thought, like, okay, well, now I'm just going to be odd for forever and also my entire friend group was very science-based right so all the people I knew um definitely thought that was totally crazy and looking back it's silly because I was 19 but that was that was my life so I was so terrified of it that I actually worked under a fake name for I think three and a half years and uh, I worked out of a literal closet. <laughs> like I worked in this tiny closet that because I shared a room, a bedroom with my roommate at the time because Los Angeles is very expensive for a student. So for three years, I worked out of a tiny closet, uh, did not soul name, terrified that someone would out me. Um, and uh, even being to me, Lisa Williams, James Prague, Tony Stockwell, it really did nothing to shake that for, for a number of years. Mm-hmm. I would um, watch their videos over and over and over again and be like, well, they can do it. Like that, that was, that seemed real to me. So like, maybe I can do it too, you know, in my kind of like darkest moments of that. But it was not easy. It was really, really hard. And I think that um, this was also about 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, this was not open mm-hmm. in the way it is now. And I thought I was going to throw my whole life out the window, right? Like, who was going to let me go to medical school if they found out that I was a medium? <laughs> so it just felt like this huge risk. Um, and looking back, I'm not quite sure what made me take some of the the bigger risks, you know? Because I really did at one point go, oh, well, this is what I'm doing. And um, it was such an internal drive, but I, I really battled my brain with just back and forth back and forth back and forth like just constant I bet and then you also do like really large group events right so when did you actually come up I just did my first one in February after seven years and it was probably the scariest thing I've ever done 
<laughs> so what, what made you go into like these big auditorium, like group events and how was that for you? Yeah. You know, it's funny when I was a kid, I had terrible stage fright. Um, it's like I, I played the violin for 20 years and I stopped. And one of the reasons was that I just hated performing in front of other people. I just really, I would shake so bad that I couldn't even play. Like my fingers would just incontrollably shake. Um, and uh, so I did not think that the whole stage thing was going to be something I wanted to do. But I think I did my first small group right around 24, 25. So I'd been working at that point for probably about four or five years. I remember walking out on stage and it was probably only maybe 25 people or something, maybe 30 people. And the minute I walked on stage, it was the funniest thing. I got this, this overwhelming calm in me. And it was like my whole being went, this is what you were meant to do. And it was so weird. And I can't quite explain it because I never had that with readings. Um, but going out on stage felt so right. And I do get a lot of stage fright, but the minute I start, it completely evaporates. I don't know how to explain it. It's not me entirely. I feel like I'm just kind of lifted into this odd space and I, I really, really love it. So it's, um, it's probably my favorite part of the job, so to speak. And uh, yeah, so I can't really say it's, it's terrifying. The beginning part of it, like getting on stage is terrifying. Uh, I always want to run away. Once I'm on there, I'm okay. I It's such a breath of fresh air to hear that journey because, you know, it took me about seven years to go on stage. And a lot of the peers that I'm connected with get into group stuff and these larger events like right away. And I kept thinking like, why, why am I not feeling the calling to do this? Why am I so scared? And the first time I went up, I was so scared. I couldn't even meditate before. <laughs> I was so terrified. <laughs> And the same thing happened. I stood in front of this group and I just started talking and I was super calm and a little bit of a showman for like an hour and a half. And then afterwards I was like, I couldn't sleep for two days. Like the energy was just like so intense. Yeah. I love, you know, and I always try to tell my students that too. I'm a little bit of a hard teacher in that way where I'm, I just really feel like you should have been, you should be really confident in, to, in your one-to-one -one work because when you get on stage, you're representing the work and that's not just about you. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important that you do the work before you get on stage so that um, you can, yeah, you can, you can kind of represent the best of it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I really, really like that. And then before we move into the moving beyond podcasts, I have so many questions about that. Um, you're, going into a master's program right now for forensic studies. Yeah, it's, um, forensics has a really big draw for me. It's not an easy field for mediums in the um, homicide departments, especially in the States, and I'm pretty sure it's worldwide, but they have a lot of them in their constitution. Hey, this is, we're a homicide department, and these are, you know, the 15 rules that govern us. Number four or number five, will you say something like, we do not work with psychics or mediums. So right from the bat, you've got this really big block. And so I've, I've worked with a few and I had this amazing experience with one um, that really motivated me into wanting to do that kind of work, but knowing that it was going to have to break down quite a number of barriers over probably decades. And so 
my first step towards that was let me get a master's in forensic science so that I don't have to come at it from only being the psychic medium, right? That it maybe opens up some sort of tiny crack in a door that would grant me access where I would otherwise be denied. So I don't really have like a bigger picture of it other than it felt like a good first step. Mm. And um, it's going to take me a few years to complete the degree because it's, you know, it's a master's degree. But yeah, that's the, that's the thought. I love that, that you had like really high ambitions for like, you know, next level education really early on. You filled kind of like the mediumship boots and now you're able to kind of do both. You're going back for your higher education. You're able to serve the world spirit. Um, it's awesome that you're able to still, still do all that because I, I had a very similar experience where I called myself Squamish Medium because I was in the corporate world in Indigenous health and healing, and I didn't want my name attached to it because I was so afraid about my reputation of the career, and um, I felt like I had to pick one or the other. It was like one or the other. Absolutely, and I don't think it has to be quite that way anymore, depending on probably where you live, but yeah, I think it's not unusual, and it sounds like you know, you're very much not alone in that. Yeah, no, I love that. So the Moving Beyond podcast, I, I don't even know how I found it, Fleur, because like I've been following you for a while and I feel like I, I got on there like just when you guys posted and published the first episode and then I shared it to my Instagram stories and I had at least 20 DMs um, within the next day saying like people were just like bawling. And that first episode I listened to, I can't remember her name, but she did not cry. I'm like, how is this girl not crying? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, no, we definitely did that show because it was our launch, and we're like, why did she not cry? <laughs> I don't but, know if the British um, thing, but I was like, how is this girl dry-eyed here? <laughs> so funny because right after we we wrapped, she goes, I didn't cry, and we were like, yeah, that's okay, I guess, but you really could have. <laughs> like, it would have been okay, you know? <laughs> she need, needs more time with Claire. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, Claire was like, I couldn't. She, she was like tight lipped. We were like, yeah, you know, I hope she got what she needed out of it. But I really do think she did just, you know, people grieve in different ways. And it's, um, it's really interesting. I feel like I, I understand that being, being Dutch, we do not grieve like that either. If I get, if in the times that I've had a mediumship reading and it was very emotional, I too do not cry. There's, Mm. there's no way you're ever going to see me shed a tear in a mediumship group in front of someone like I will go home and do that because that's how my family operates and that is also cultural you know so I do get it um I think it can be surprising to people but uh for me it's like why well, you're just processing it and you'll you'll sort out your emotions later yeah well I was crying all around my neighborhood because I listen to your podcast when I go for my nightly walk and I never cry but I too I don't cry in my readings like I hold it together um and just try to stay composed uh so I totally get that too I I felt too I was like oh I think it's a cultural thing because I know I have a lot of British friends and my first husband was British and it's very um you know a lot of they just don't want to cry (laughs) yeah absolutely and it's yeah it's um I think it's also one of those things where they, it's not like people don't cry. Um, they just don't do, do it in more public spaces, I think. For sure. 
So where did the idea come from? Because it's so beautiful. And I did, I'm not familiar with Claire's work, but her voice is so soothing. Like both of your voices are just incredibly soothing. So where did the idea come from for moving beyond? And like, what, what gives you the most joy out of it? Like, what's your experience as the medium um, in this experience with the podcast? You know, I'll, I'll start with that point because it has been one of the coolest things that I've ever put together in that I feel when I'm doing a reading and maybe that you have this experience as well, people don't always or very often, especially now, and maybe it's just because I've grown in popularity, um, they won't email, they won't say anything. I just get the yes and no through a reading and they leave and I go, well, I hope that did something, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And um, I might not hear back from them for years and then I'll see them in a grocery store or something and they go, oh my God, that changed my life. And I'm like, I don't even remember the reading. So I don't have any reference point for that. It's really lovely that they had that experience, but I don't get to experience it with them. Mm -hmm. And the podcast has changed all of that. Like I get to do my reading and then when all is said and done, I do my reading, I get to go back and listen to Claire's and it's, it's so cool. So it is just amazing to watch these people have transformations. Um, we had done a looking back episode to see, you know, where people are now. I was not expecting people to have the big shifts that they had had in a short period of time. Mm. That was really surprising to me in such a heart filling way. It really, you know, give me that sense of, oh, we're doing something here. This is cool. Uh, and the idea really came, honestly, because Claire and I work in tandem all the time. We had met about six years ago when I did a reading for her, shortly after her best friend died. And she was writing a book at the time called After This. It was a, a, a yeah, an, I guess a way for her to figure out what mediumship meant for her. She went to go visit tons of mediums, including James Van Prague and Teresa Caputo, and kind of went all over the country and had finished writing the book. It was, it was, you know, and um, met with me and rewrote one of the chapters and then handed it over. So I, I ended up being chapter 10. And from that point on, we lived pretty close by at the time. So we just became friends. And so, uh, you know, years of working would make it so that if she had a client she really thought could benefit, she would send him over to me. And if I had a client who I thought could benefit, she would send I would send them over her to her side and we never really talked about the clients nor did we ever really say oh I send a client over to you we would just tell them individually and then they would you know ultimately find their way or not and so it was a few years of that and I thought huh like I really wonder if we could put something together where we can show people's transformation mm. and that's what created the podcast yeah, it is beautiful. It is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And I, again, everyone who mentors under me, I'm like, you got to listen to this podcast. It, it just goes to showcase the impact that mediumship could have on, on somebody's griefing journey. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing. I'm, I am really proud of it. And for that reason too, I, it's, um, it's just one of those things that I thought, you know, we don't really have that anywhere. Like, I don't know of any medium that has really done readings that are kind of like available to be listened in on, you know? No, absolutely not. And it's very courageous of you um, to do that because even me, like I send some 
clips of my readings with permission from my clients just to my students so they can get kind of an idea of like the structure but I too don't know other than what was on Hay House with James and and John Holland and stuff doing live readings on the radio but those are totally different those are a little bit more drive-by reading style right <laughs> yeah I've done those too and you get like three to five minutes and you're just going boom 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 but like we as an audience don't really get to know the color we don't know where their needs are. And so um, I had always just wanted, especially when I was first starting, and I'm sure you're the same, I scoured the internet to watch other people read. Well, and that's why I started this podcast because it was like, I couldn't find anyone who was like talking about the details that satisfied me on like the the details of mediumship, the connection. And you doubt it when you kind of feel alone. Cause I don't, I still don't have a huge cohort of um, other people who are working mediums. And so I was scouring YouTube, which is how I found you. Um, just like listening to other people work because I think like, it's really good to, I don't know, find some normalcy in what we're doing because it doesn't always feel normal. <laughs> right. Yeah. It is not normal. Um, actually. But, <laughs> but I do think it's awesome. And you're right. It does have similarities across the board and you're going to find ways of working that works for somebody and not for you. And then you can adjust it to match your own style. And I think that's what it's all about. Right. But if you don't have all those different ways to try out, um, it can feel quite, quite stuck. Yeah. So what's your best advice? Cause you, you teach a lot and on your Instagram, I'll, I'll take um, your Instagram on here too. I've been following you for a while and you post really great videos from your classes, which again, your readings have no fluff. Your classes have no fluff either. Like you give such useful and valuable information, even on your Instagram. Um, so I will take people to that, but what is like somebody who's like kind of scared to tap into their abilities? I know a lot of people who are interested in working with me come from uh, religious backgrounds that kind of taught them that this kind of work was like not of God's work, et cetera, et cetera. So what's like your best advice for people to just kind of like get started, come out of the closet, just get curious about their abilities? Yeah, I think first of all, I always, whenever anyone talks about being scared, I just want to say to them, I myself have never really had a scary experience of spirit, you know, like I just don't, I, I think we often don't understand and so we label it as scary, but just because we don't understand their way of reaching out doesn't mean they're here to hurt us or that you're going to get possessed or any kind of crazy, scary, like fear-based, you know, belief. I don't, I don't, buy into it and I haven't really had the experience. So for someone who's been working for, you know, 11, 12 years now, I just want people to know I, I personally haven't experienced it. Doesn't mean it's not out there, but I think if you don't go looking for it and you um, kind of work with the best of intention, it's not going to go grab you in the closet, so to speak. Mm, it's so, very yeah. So that's always something I want to want to acknowledge. And then the second part of it is really, it's a journey, you know, the, experience of of working if you're if you're called to do it that that call isn't going to leave you alone you're going to kind of keep coming back to it so it's one of those things where take the next step see how it unfolds for you but in my experience and from what i've seen other people it's hard to lock that away and expect it to to stay put mm -hmm. it's, it's going to keep wanting to invite you into it and um yeah, I think there's something to be said for just giving yourself that freedom. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I felt like um, I received three callings to this path, like at 17 and then again at 24 and then again, finally at 31 when I finally was like, okay, this keeps coming back. Maybe I should start getting really curious about this. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty and, stubborn. You know, and I'm sure you feel this as well. Like I, there were times in, in my journey of kind of saying, okay, yeah, this is what I'm going to do where I really thought I'm throwing my whole life away potentially in that it's so scary. Like what if people find out? And I remember somebody who had been working for quite some time go, it's really, you're going to look back and laugh at how scared you were. And mm. uh, I do now, and I'm sure you have the same experience. Um, all those fears didn't play out at all. No. And I felt like I, I just left my corporate career um, in February this year to go into this work full time um, after seven years. And it was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life because I have children. I got a mortgage. Like there was a lot on the line, but I just felt like not listening was making me sick. I was constantly sick. I was hospitalized. I was on heart monitors. Um, like I was just getting sick, not listening to my passion and where I was being led to. And really living within that fear is your worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations. That's huge. Well Thanks. Done. Yeah. It's been pretty good, but it was funny because I quit. And then three weeks later we were in quarantine. <laughs> well, the good thing about this work is you can do it over the phone. So hundred percent. I noticed you do a lot on the phone too, which I really, really like. Um, I do mostly online anyways, because of the podcast, most of my clients were international already. So it was a really, it was okay for me. There's only like, I think a dozen people I had to reschedule that were coming in person. But, um, I noticed like you do it a lot on the phone and you're so, cause I don't ever get sitters who just like tell you too much sometimes. Cause you're very, you're very um, good at explaining how you work to people in advance and just saying, just say yes or no. And people listen to you. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Every once in a while you'll have somebody who doesn't, but I think, um, you know, when somebody starts saying more than yes or no, I do tend to politely drop them and say, you know, first of all, don't give me much more because you're going to want to walk out of here and feel really validated. So this is about you walking out and going, okay, I, I didn't, that information and then say it doesn't help my process <laughs> you know mm. uh actually is way easier for me to stay in connection with someone on the other side if the person in front of me is not talking so if because if they say something that feels like it's not a match to what i'm getting energetically now i'm in conflict and mm. i'd rather just be able to give it to them straight you know sometimes people have certain ways that they want to perceive an event but it's not maybe the truth of the event and so then it gets really conflicting if I if I have to then also kind of sift my way through the the I don't know the person sitting in front of me does that does that make sense 100% absolutely I, I working with with the spirit not with the person in front of me and um in, in a certain way right so that you can just pass the information on unfiltered um and then the person in front of you can make sense of it rather than kind of them trying to steer the direction of where it's going. Yeah. And I feel too, like, um, it makes me, it makes me feel a bit more nervous to give like the next pieces of information when they're giving me too much. Cause I'm like, Hey, am I being led here? Like it just kind of pulls you out of the energy with spirit. I find a little bit too. So, um, that's something I'm getting a lot better at just getting people say yes or no, yes or no, just so it can be a super clear channel. And that's why I tell people phone readings. I get so many questions. I even had an email from a client this week saying, I do not want a phone reading, like all in uppercase. And I'm like, man, phone readings are actually the most pure because I can't see you. 
I have no judgments of your age. It's just like literally a pure channel. Is that why you like to do phone readings more than anything else? Well, you know, I used to do them pretty 50 50 uh, and then quarantine hit. And so I've had the same emails, to be honest. You know, people are really upset. <laughs> but um, I'm not going to be offering in person readings for a while. So I think it's kind of at the end of the day, it's like, well, this is this is the way it's going. And I like phone readings. Uh, I think for the exact same reasons that you just shared, it's really nice for me able to just completely focus my attention on spirit and really not worry about someone's facial expression, if they're crossing their arms, if they look angry, you know, whatever it is that I'm human. It's really hard to go, okay, sir, you look really unhappy to be here. Let me <laughs> You know, yeah, I'm human. I'm gonna have a reaction to that. Totally, it's just one less energy to deal with, right? Absolutely. So some people are really lovely to work for in person, and I do love the just the human interaction. But um, yeah, the phone's nice. Is a really nice way to just be able to pass things along and and really not worry about any kind of nonverbal communication. Awesome. I, I agree. I think so too. So um, I just wanted to ask you to kind of like wrap things up and honor your time as well. Um, I did receive a few Instagram questions and I'm just going to read two because I think I've addressed all of them except for two. Um, one of them is what is the most reoccurring message you get from spirit? Well, I'll tell you a funny one and then I'll tell you the other recurring one. So the funny one was for a while before the quarantine hit, I did not pr predict a quarantine. I will just say that. But <laughs> for like five months beforehand, every reading, every reading, someone was asking me about whatever project they had going. And I was like, I don't know. I just keep seeing delays to the point where I got annoyed with myself. I'm like, not everything is going to be late flare. Like you can't just keep saying delays. I don't know, like delays. <laughs> so that one was kind of funny for, from, it was just, reoccurring message was yeah no that project's not gonna happen um so I thought that would be and then uh, looking back because it all made sense right quarantine hit and I was like oh got it yeah. um, and then the reoccurring message from spirit is always the sense of I'm around I'm connected I'm fine I think you know there is such a worry around that a fear I did too even being a medium I still go huh like you know until you're there you don't know um, but whenever I'm connected to the spirit, it just feels really lovely. It really doesn't have the harsh realities, um, that we kind of have to sift through. So that's, that's always the reoccurring one in that it's the very backbone and foundation of any, any connection. Mm. Yeah. Funny, um, pre-quarantine story to in January of every year, I, some of my closest friends, I just do a yearly reading for more psychic than anything else. And one of my friends sent me a video clip of my reading that I gave her in January. And uh, it said, I don't know, there's something about March. Like the energy is just so weird in March, like for all the readings. So I didn't predict it either, but I just knew March was just like a really weird month. It was like all fuzzy. I couldn't connect to it at all. I was just like, yeah, March is just a really weird month. Really, really weird month. <laughs> it is funny. Yeah, exactly. Looking back at it now, I think, I was really just looking at things on the micro level for the individual, right? So, uh, but never thought to take a macro look at it and go, hmm, 
So a lot of reoccurring patterns here. I wonder what's going on with the world. Didn't even cross my mind. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, who would have, yeah, it's crazy. Who would have predicted this? But uh, except for Sylvia Brown, apparently, right? I don't know if you saw that, her premonition. <laughs> from, like, super wild. Super wild. Um, okay, and then the final question just from the Instagram is, I had a question that I thought was really fascinating. They, they was wondering what your most, like, favorite reading was. Like, what was your most, like, memorable experience that you had? Oh my gosh, there is there are so many of them. I it's hard for me to even pinpoint, but I would say that one of my most meaningful readings, I think, when I first realized how powerful this work could be, uh, happened really early on, and it wasn't the reading itself, but it was kind of the message I got afterwards. Um, I had read for a woman, and she'd lost her son, and she had four other kids, and uh, her son had passed fifteen years ago. And the husband, who had not even been part of the reading, kind of reached out to me afterwards and just said, you know, thank you for giving me my wife back. Like, after 15 years, we have, she is a mother again. She's a wife. Like, she's here. And I remember thinking, wow, how powerful that he didn't get the reading. He just saw the effects. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was probably my favorite one in terms of it was such a turning point for me. I thought, wow, like, that's, that's amazing. How that that's incredible. I'd never thought that it could have that kind of impact. Uh, so yeah, I would say that one probably there's been so, so many, um, gosh, cause I think at this point I counted them all get up a while back and something like 15,000 readings. So it's a wow. lot. <laughs> so many. You've been busy for 11 years. I've been busy and, uh, yeah, every single one is different. You know, it's just, it's, yeah. That's what I try to tell people. I just said, you know, every reading feels so different. And I used to get so scared going into them because the unpredictability of it. But then I just started kind of having fun and just like embracing that they all feel a little bit different. The information always comes a little bit differently every single time and just trying to like relax around it. Yeah. I think that's also the beauty of it because every person you talk to in the world is going to be a little different. Mm. So it's, the same you're just establishing a communication with someone and I think as you know like I really do feel that sometimes where there's people in spirit where I'm like okay look how can we be friends like how can we make it so that you want to talk to me (laughs) yeah well do you find sometimes in spirit like you have people who are not as great communicators in spirit than others I do and it doesn't happen all that often but maybe like once every couple of months I was just telling a friend this I'll I'll connect with someone and within the first five minutes I'm like you know what experience has taught me that I can force this for the next 45 minutes and it's not going to do us any favors mm-hmm. so I'm going to reconnect with you next week you know give me another call uh in the meantime your loved ones are going to do some homework yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that okay yeah go work That's- with guys <laughs> Yeah, I'll literally tell Spirit World, like, you can stick around all week in the office, watch how other people do it, but I'm going to need you to, like, be a little better. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Come back when you're ready. <laughs> and so I'm going to work with it, and, and then it feels like it clicks into place. Like, either I find their energy, they find mine. Um, we meet in the middle, I think, you know, as a medium. Sometimes it's also me just learning all the different vibrations and uh there's a lot of people I feel over the years that I've met who go you know I just have never been able to connect with this one person why is that and I find usually they're really an odd passing there's something about them that doesn't 
match up in the medium's head. Mm-hmm. So we almost discount it. Like our, our brain goes, no, no, that doesn't make any sense. And um, I think that a big part of my work in the last couple of years has been trying to uh, let that go, you know, to just really receive what I receive rather than trying to make it fit so yes. that I can't bring in some of the more weird cases without uh, dismissing them. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Awesome. So if we want to just kind of end this with you, maybe telling the spirit school listeners how they can learn more about you, any offerings you have going on or anything that you want to share. And I'll link it all in the show notes as well. Totally. Well, I am on medium flare uh, on Instagram and on Facebook and at my website, mediumflare.com. And there is currently the podcast, which we've talked about at length, Moving Beyond. I've got a journal on Amazon called 10 Minutes to Intuition. You can also find it on my website. There is a mentorship course that is starting up in August. It's a two-month beginner intermediate course. And I think that's it for right now. And I do readings. Um, so those are available on my website as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Medium Floor. I really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This is super fun.